So here we go. My name is Ryan. Uh, we are at the end of our series called Relationship Goals. And the uh, purpose of the series as a whole was not to necessarily redefine, completely change and redefine your relationships, whether it be your relationships with your spouse, relationships with your kids, uh, relationship with your heavenly father. The purpose of this eight-week series regarding relationships was to just change your perspective in just a little bit. We didn't want to do any big, huge steps because we wanted to change it away from what the world was telling us as far as relationships are concerned and back towards leaning back towards what God intended our relationships to be, to give you a more godly perspective on your relationships, to give you a more authentic relationship. And when we do that, when we have that godly perspective and that godly view, it gives us richer and deeper and fuller relationships. And so I hope that was the case for you when it came to your relationships. We did have some um, who totally redefined it and like, oh, you, hey, Pastor Ryan, you helped me dump my boyfriend. I'm like, I don't know if that's what this series was about, but God, God willing, well, Lord, indeed. So listen, we had all kinds of topics. If you missed it, we had, uh, we had love it or list it, right? That was, do we love our marriage? Do we list our marriage? Do we fight for our marriage? Or are we fighting against our marriage? Because every single decision you make, every comment you make, especially the tone of voice that you use, is either for your marriage or against your marriage. We talked about if you were filled with something, whether it be bitterness, whether it be joy, whether it be godliness, whether it be happiness, if you were filled with something and you got bumped, well, um, that's the, I, I have a deep relationship with this cup. It cut me very deeply. But if you get bumped in life, what you're filled with comes out, and that is especially visible in your relationships. We talked about if you put God at the center of your relationships, that as you move closer towards God, inevitably, unavoidably, it's just, you know, geometry, and your relationship, this could be your spouse. It could be a relationship with your money. This could be a relationship with your kids or your grandparents or a friend. Anywhere in between, you fill in the blank. If you and this relationship are both moving towards God, if you're using your money in a godly purpose, you will have a better relationship with that money. You will have a better relationship with your spouse. You'll have a better relationship with your kids, whatever the case may be. We had my wife, Monica, sat up here in this lovely chair right here, and we sat, and she just, man, she just talked about communication so much more eloquently than I ever could. I was on the other side getting ignored by all of you. I'm not bitter about it. But she did a phenomenal job over there talking about, man, just honestly, we talked about one of the biggest things when it comes to our relationships that causes us problems. She talked about unmet expectations and communications and things of that nature. We talked about... Um, Let's see, what else? I mean, we covered so much stuff. We talked about gossip and how just gossip is just poison. It's poison for you, and it's poison to the relationships that you bring it into. And inevitably, unavoidably, you will bring it into every relationship, whether you want to or not. And then last week, who can forget the chocolate milk? I hope you can't. I hope you have a jaded view of chocolate milk just like I do for the rest of your life. We had a sit-down father-son heart-to-heart about lust and about pornography and the craziness that is that, and that's just how it's not godly and what it does to our relationships. 
So that was pretty much it. No big deal. We covered a lot. If you missed one or if you ever want to go back and listen to them, I don't know if you know this about the Island Campus or any of our campuses. You can actually go back and listen to every single message that I preached or anybody else who stands on this stage. We record them. You can go here. You can find them on any of them, whichever you prefer, Apple Podcasts. Nobody likes that. It's also on Spotify. Listen, you can find us, Island Campus. You can listen to them back. Maybe you thought, man, my husband really needs to listen to this. I, he should if you thought that, that probably meant that the message was for you. You should go back and listen to it, too. This week, I'm going to attempt to tie a nice little bow on our series, and I'm going to talk about relationships in a context that perhaps you haven't necessarily thought about. And basically that in a relationship, saying isn't enough. It's the doing that matters in the relationships. You know, like you, you've, you've heard these words, like maybe you've heard me say this, like I can't, I can't hear your words through your actions, right? I yell that at my children when they're yelling back at me. Uh, or it's like your actions speak louder than words. You, and this is super visible in your relationships, and you know this to be true if you've ever moved, right? Because there's always the friend that's like, yeah, totally call me. Yeah, yeah, you can totally use my truck. Yeah, call me. It's, it's a big deal. And then when it's time to move, they're, they're nowhere. But then your real friends, your true friends, what do they do? They just show up. They're not asking for a case of beer and a, and a pizza party afterwards. No, they just show up and they want to hang out with you. And there's a need that needs to be met. And so they're there to meet it. So let me ask you this question, though. How do we relate what we talk about in here on Sunday mornings in relation to our Heavenly Father? How do we relate that to talking outside of these four walls during the rest of the week? Because that's where you spend most of your time. It's a valid question. I'm so glad you asked it because that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed something over my some 39 years on this planet that oftentimes it is easier, let me say this correctly for you, it is easier to know what to do than what to believe. Follow me on this. Because the world, the world throws so much junk at us. We never know who to believe or what to believe. We have the news and social media and I heard and she said and all those things. And we never know exactly what. And it's hard to decipher what to believe or not believe or what is true or what's not true or what we should take in or what we should dismiss. It's hard to figure out what that is. However, you've lived long enough, you've had enough experience that oftentimes it's not, it's not easy. Don't, don't misquote me there. But it's easier to know what the right thing to do is. What's the wise thing to do? And that could be very contrary to how you were brought up if you're very much like me, especially if you were brought up in the church and denominationally like I was. See, I grew up in a, a, a form of Christianity denomination that leaned very heavily into believing correctly. And it makes sense because, well, our belief is our salvation, is it not? We've seen it from the very beginning. Abraham in Genesis was made right with God. He was made a righteous man with God because of, not because he did something, not because he said something, because of his belief. That's straight out of Genesis. You can check it out. Or we have, we have Jesus on the cross, and he's got the thief next to him, and the other guy's berating him. And the thief is like, don't you know who you're talking to? This is the Messiah. Now, every single breath up on that cross was painful and agonizing. Every single word was super important. And in that moment, your Savior, our Creator, turned to the, uh, the guy and said, because of your, not because of your actions. It's not like he was going to get down off the cross and go become a missionary and preach the gospel or anything like that. No, because of your belief that I am who they say I am. 
that I am the Savior of the world. Because of that, you're going to be with me in heaven. You're going to be with me in paradise. And so it is very like common for us to believe that. But it got to the point, I don't know if this is your story, but it's certainly mine. It got to the point when I was growing up that it didn't even really matter what I did as long as I believed correctly. Because there was always forgiveness waiting on the other side of me. There was always mercy on the other side. And so I abused that grace and I abused that mercy. Belief was such a big deal, especially in the early church, of believing correctly that the church went to war with itself. That thousands of people died in the Reformation because they didn't believe the right way. But can I just be honest with you? We're not recording, right? Can I just be honest with you? Apart from Jesus and apart from the resurrection, we sort of just get hung up on the details. Like, like don't get me wrong. Please, please don't, don't miss this. Don't get me wrong. Belief is incredibly important. Your eternity hinges on it. Don't miss that. But, but if you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're just trying this church thing out, or maybe it's the first or second time back, you walked away for whatever reason, welcome back. If I want you to hear anything else today, is that the core beliefs of Christianity, when we read the New Testament authors, when we look at the guys that were hanging out with Jesus, when we listen to Jesus' words, belief was really, really important. But at its core, Christianity was three things. It was simple. It was memorable. And in this moment today, don't miss this, it was actionable. See, there's always going to be fun things in Christianity to debate, like weird things. Like, like, Christian, like Christianity is a little weird, right? Like, like we got some hard things to understand. Like, like dying on a cross, like resurrection, that's weird. You can shake your head yes, but we get extraordinary clarity, extraordinary simplicity when it comes to what we're supposed to do with that information. So Jesus is outside of Caesarea Philippi, and he's with his small group. He's with his people. And I can just picture, like, they're just, like, hanging out and, you know, and talking shop. And, and, he, and he, like, he's like, hey, guys, who do they say that I am? Like, just out of curiosity, like, I don't already know. Like, who do they say that I am? And this is where Peter very famously says, well, you're, you're the Messiah. He says, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, you're right. And it is on that identity we're going to build something. Man, we're, he says specifically, we're going to build a church. There's going to be a new movement based on that identity, that I am the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. And he, they, as the Messiah, he punctuated that with his death and with his resurrection. That's a Christian core belief. That's simple. It's memorable. But here's the thing. It's very actionable. Because if we gather all the Christians from all over the world, no matter what, if you're truly a Christ follower, you believe that Jesus was who he says he was, and he died on a cross for your sins. Then he was resurrected three days later. We get that. But the what to do part, that's where we always mess it up. So Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to establish something based on my identity. And here's what I want you to do. 
Look what he says. He says, first he says, love each other as I have loved you. Again, this is a core belief. This is super basic. This is can't miss Christianity. It's simple. It's memorable. It's actionable. You love somebody the way that I have loved you. But then look at what he says. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. This is how you and I are going to be branded. This is how you and I are going to be recognized as Christianity. And the rest is, and I'm just kind of quoting Jesus here, the rest is sort of just details. But consider for just a moment. Consider for just a moment. A world that, where people are skeptical about what we believe, right? Raising people from the dead, the miracles, that kind of stuff. They're skeptical. It's, it's a little crazy. It's hard for people to believe. But imagine for just a moment a world where people who are skeptical of what we believe are still envious of how we treat each other within the church. And they are blown away by how we treat them in our relationships. Hashtag relationship goals. You got to understand that this movement that Jesus sought, he did it long. There was a version of faith that he put on this earth long before we had the Bible. A version of faith that did things, that was known for its actions. As, As Andy Stanley puts it, you ready for this? A version of faith that made people want to believe it was true. That it wanted to believe that it was true. Because it was so good how they treated one another in love. John, the apostle, that is John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John was with Jesus from the beginning. As soon as Jesus steps on the pages of history, we get John. We had John the Baptist, and then we had this John. And John did a lot of really important things. But John was one of the first people. This is totally world-changing, eternity-changing. John was the first person to ever record that God is love. Something completely unique to Jesus, completely unique to Christianity. That John That John is writing to some other Christians. This is long before the Bible. Heck, he was writing the Bible. He didn't even know he was writing the Bible. But what he writes is so interesting. It's so, it's downright scandalous depending on what, like, denomination you grew up in, especially myself. But it's just Christianity. And so if you have walked away from Christianity, I hope that this finds you well. That this just piques your interest just a little bit that you would maybe give Jesus another shot. Again, John, this is eyewitness John from the beginning, wasn't writing the Bible, writing it to a bunch of other Christians. But listen, writing was such a big deal back then. If you wrote anything down, it had to have been a very big deal because you would not have wasted the resources nor the time. And he decides, he says, I want to give an overview of the messages that I was eyewitness to, that Jesus said. And so look at what he says in 1 John. This is so incredible, so scandalous, so interesting. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning. Like, this is what we've gotten from the very beginning, guys. If you miss this, this is core, this is basic, this this is simple, this is memorable. And in a second, it's actionable because it says we should love one another. Every single relationship from the beginning as Jesus established is based not on what they can do for you, not on what you can do for them, on love. He continues, 
He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because, now understand this, what he means by that is we know that we are now Christians. They didn't call it Christians, they called it the way, but we know we can be secure, we can be confident in what we've been taught. We know that we have passed from death to life. We are in Camp Jesus, we are all about it. We can have confidence in all that, why? Because the Bible says so? No, they're 400 years away from the Bible even being compiled into what we know as the Bible. Look at what he says. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we, what? Love each other. Anyone who does not love, warning, listen, this is a warning label like last week, hashtag. Listen, anyone who does not love remains in death. That is, they are not with Team Jesus. You are spending in a place, you are going to spend eternity in a place not called heaven. Because you don't know your Savior. That's what they mean by death. Anyone, don't miss this. Who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know, says from the beginning, you've been getting this, you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And then John breaks into what, what type of love we're talking about. He gives a very specific, a very intentional type of love, a love that is intended to permeate every single aspect of our lives. Not just love for our creator because our creator gave us everything, so of course we're going to love him. Not just that type of love, but every single relationship that you and I come in contact with has to be permeated by the love that Jesus showed John. And John wrote down, and we can read about. He would say this, this is how we know what love is is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This isn't something that he had heard about. This isn't something that he had read about. This is something, John says, I saw this. I smelt it. I was there. I saw what they did to him on that cross. I saw the pain. I saw the agony. I saw what they did to him in that moment. He says that, friends, that above everything else, like we've been talking about from the beginning, that is the love that you're to bring into every single relationship. He says, that ought to be what we believe? No, so much more. He says, John says, listen, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. That, friends, is the central message of Christianity. In light of what God has done for us, in light of what God has done for you, in light of what we believe, uh, is believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he was the Messiah, that he died on a cross for us, that he was resurrected, in light of all that, here is what we are supposed to believe? No, here's what we're supposed to do for others. Now, you might be asking yourself the same question that the first century people who heard this and read this asked. Who are my brothers and sisters? Because some of you are like, I'm an only child. Yes. <laughs> no or you could be like, Pastor Ryan, listen, I got, I got three siblings, and I don't want to do anything for them, okay? No, they're great people. They just, we just don't, you know, we're not around each other. It's okay. It is what it is. I'll confess that later. It's a different message for a different day. See, Jesus was confronted with that question all the time. People would come up and be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds really good, Jesus. But like, and he also talked about it as like your neighbors. He's like, so just, I'm asking for a friend, Jesus, like, who are, who are my brothers and sisters? Like, who, who am I supposed to, who am I supposed to do, meet these needs for? And he says, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you a story. We call them parables. But Jesus used these stories. They were super relatable stories that he would tell people so that people wouldn't get it wrong. So there'd be no room for doubt about what Jesus wanted us to do. 
Yet somehow you and I, we still forget it and we still mess up all the time, which is why we we gotta keep studying, keep working. He says, your brother or your sister, or as he like sometimes referred to it as a neighbor. Now don't miss this. This is core. This is basic. This is simple, memorable, and actionable. He says, your sister, your brother, your neighbor is anyone that has a need that you can meet. Anyone that has a need that you can meet. As John says, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Hashtag it can. Dear children, he says, listen, guys, listen, dear children, let us not love with words and speech. He says, how, how can you say, how can you, how can you preach, how can you teach that, that God is love, that the love of Jesus is in you that, without showing the love that was showed to you on the cross? How do you do that? Without meeting the needs of others, how do you do that? Then John implores, don't miss this, this is core, this is basic. This is everything we believe as a Christian. It's, it's John talking to other Christians, attempting to flesh out this idea, this whole live like Jesus like type of life. They're trying to figure out what that actually looks like. John says it's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to preach about it. It's not enough to come on Sundays and listen to it. It's not enough to meet about it. It's not enough to go into a small group and study it. It's not enough to talk and banter online and post Facebook devotionals and all that. Those are good things. Those are great things. A lot of those are godly things. But he says this, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth this truth this core belief that john saw demonstrated on calvary by jesus we are sinners we are sinners in need we have a need that only jesus can meet we are sinners in need of a savior that needed action from jesus we're supposed to live our lives every day Meeting the needs of others in the same way that Jesus met our needs and the needs of every single one of us in here and all of humanity by dying on a cross for us. For God so loved the world that he what? You don't even have to be a Christian to be able to finish that sentence. For God so loved the world that he what? He didn't yell from heaven, do this, do that, get all these rules right, and maybe I'll let you into heaven. No, for God so loved the world that he did something. He gave so that we didn't have to spend an eternity without him. It's one thing to teach it, like Jesus did. It's one thing to preach it and tell nice stories and parables and stuff like that. It's it's incredible. It's another thing to get up on a cross and die for it. And in response to that fact, that Jesus did that for you and for me, we are commanded to live generous lives, generously giving in our relationships. To who? Everybody. Not just talking about it, but through our actions. In every relationship we have, especially, don't miss this, especially in our relationship to our Heavenly Father, we're to put away our things and follow His purpose, to be generous in what we give back to our Heavenly Father. And a lot of times that gets roped into money, and and money is big and important and all those things, but so is the talent that you have. So is the time that you have. So much more valuable than anything you could give money-wise. Every single action that you and I do should be laced by the love that Jesus showed for us on that cross. A faith without works is dead. You've heard that before, and it's in James. Your faith demands movement. That's why we have last Sunday. 
Last Sunday is next week. Last Sunday, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know the story behind last Sunday. Last Sunday came about when we were locked down. We couldn't physically meet. We weren't legally allowed to meet in buildings. But what's so interesting about that? Whether you were for it or against it, what's so interesting about that is it forced the church to kind of get back to the church that Jesus was talking about. That did things. That wasn't worried about the four walls that they had gotten themselves into. No, it was all about going out and meeting the needs. It was meeting the needs of your brothers and your sisters and your neighbors. It was talking about meeting the needs of the widows and the orphans. Those in needs, what needs? All. Super simple. Super memorable. Super actionable. Show the, show the world the love that you've been given. Intrigue them in such a way that they want the stories about Jesus to be true. Because they see it in you. They want it to be true. In a world that is skeptical about what we believe, make them envious about how we treat each other and blow them away with how they get treated by us. What needs? All needs. All needs till you go to heaven. Every one of them. See, I believe, and we'll close with this. I believe that if the church started caring more about what Jesus said and doing what he commanded than believing the exact perfect things to believe or who has the best doctrine or who has the best this or the best that, I believe the church would become the church that Jesus talks about. The one that he set out to, the, the one that hell can't stand against, that church. The one that changes the world for good. The one that changes the world for God, that church. That, that's why we have last Sunday. That's why we have last Sunday. The church is not a building. The church is you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me, meeting the needs of the people. What people? All people. Every relationship. And when we do that, what we've done, we've gotten rid of the gossip. We fought for our marriages, not against them. We got rid of temptations. We over-communicated and under-communicated, and most importantly, we put God at the center of our relationships. And so as we move closer to him and our relationships are all dictated by that, it's geometry. Don't move. As you get closer, the distance between you and God gets smaller. And the distance between you and your relationships gets smaller as well. And I don't know if you know this, but the closer you get to people in your relationships, the more you know about them. And the better you can meet their needs. Just how Jesus intended it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the honor of just being a part of your plan for reaching people in this community. Sometimes I wonder why you, you, you picked me and us and all the people here. But then I remember, I'm so reminded that it's not about me and it's not about journey and it's not about any of it. It's about you and about reaching people for you. And if we just do that, the rest is just details. 
So God, I thank you for that reminder. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the people here. I thank you for what you're doing in last Sunday. God, I thank you for being a part of, getting to be a part of your plan. God, I believe that as a church, we are going to start stop caring so much about what the world expects of us and instead just treat the world with what you expect of us. That is your love that you showed by dying on a cross for us. And when that is the center, God, hell ain't got nothing on your church and that's a church I want to be a part of. So God, I love you. I thank you. And it's in your son, Jesus, who we thank every day for dying on a cross for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.